you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? I hope you had a slightly better sleep uh, than I had. Uh, it's always weird kind of being in a different bed. Isn't it? I don't know about you, but it's kind of weird. Uh, Singing last night, you know, you really know you're in a Christian camp when you know, people stay up late, but they're not staying up drinking, they're, playing up, they're staying up playing board games. Um, got to our room last night, uh, and me and my wife ended up in single beds, right? So you've got to make sure there's no hanky-panky or anything like that going on on these kind of weekends. Uh, but hey, if you joined us last night, hope you had a great sleep. If you just joined us this morning, so glad that you've been able to make it, come down uh, this morning. Uh, this year for us uh, has been a bit of a shock to the system, because uh, all of a sudden, uh, we ended up with a high schooler. Uh, our, our eldest, Jamie, uh, who's a bit, <laughs> she's a bit of an overachiever, as you can see. She like won the, the bingo game last night, first thing in about 30 seconds. Uh, but she started high school. Uh, and then in July, she became a teenager. So we now have a teenager uh, in the household. And, uh, you know, we knew that it was coming, but there's kind of a point that it really hits you. And interestingly for me, the, the point that it kind of really hit me was actually the first time we dropped her at youth group. Uh, so there was something, you know, kind of, oh, we've got a youth group kid now. This is, this is a whole uh, new season of life. And as much as we've always tried to uh, forbid our kids from growing up, doesn't matter how many times we tell them to stop growing up, uh, they just completely disobey us uh, and continue to do that because it's something kind of painful, right, about your kids growing up. Like this, you feel like you've, you've kind of, you're losing something. Uh, and yet at the very same time, there's actually something really beautiful about growing up, right? Like it's, it's, it's what is meant to happen about growing up into maturity. That as much as we want them to stay as kids, we also want them to grow up. Uh, and that's really important. I mean, it's, you know, it's normal for, for toddlers to you know, need to call out because they need a hand wiping their bottom. But you know, if you get to 20 and you're still calling out for mum down the hole to wipe your bottom, there's, there's something kind of wrong, right? Like if you're turning up to work um, 
with a baby's bottle full of some kind of milky substance that you can suck on Jack during the day, that's kind of disturbing, right? We need to grow up and move on from those childish things. Uh, but this growing up, it doesn't just happen automatically by itself. It doesn't just happen with the passing of time. You know, sure, we kind of grow up, we physically get uh, bigger, and our body gets bigger, we get older, but that doesn't actually mean that you're growing up and maturing, right? Uh, the author, Maya Angelus, she said this, that uh, most people don't grow up. Most people age. Uh, they find parking spaces, honor their credit cards, get married, have children, and call that maturity. What that is, is aging. Uh, and this is also true spiritually. That it, it's possible to be a Christian for, for years, to grow up in the church, uh, and to still be just a spiritual infant because you've only aged as a believer but never actually matured. Now, at some point, it's important that for everyone, that at some point we're all a babe in Christ, right? We need spiritual milk. And for some of you, that, that's right for you right now, that at the moment you're, you're brand new to the faith and so you're still learning, you're still a, a, a babe in Christ. And so, you know, you, you grab that spiritual milk bottle and you, you suck all that spiritual milk goodness out of that uh, because that's the stage that you should be at. But the, the goal for all of us is that we should be moving on from spiritual milk to spiritual meat, that we should be growing up. Now, now growing up is, is different from being childlike. Now, the Bible tells us we should be childlike in our faith. There's an implicit simplicity to the gospel that means that anyone, that even a child can understand it. But that doesn't mean that we should be childish. Uh, Karl Barth. Uh, he was a kind of early, mid-20th century theologian, a uh, guy who kind of wrote numerous uh, weighty volumes on biblical doctrine. He, he was once asked uh, if he could summarize his whole work's life of theology uh, in just one sentence. And, you know, people were expecting, like, maybe there's kind of, you know, really deep uh, theological truth that everyone's yet to kind of grasp. But he, he responded by saying, yes, I can. I can, I can do that. Uh, I can, in the words of a song I learned on my mother's knee, that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Then he dropped the mic and walked off stage. Not sure about that last bit. Uh, but, but that's childlike faith, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not childish, but that's actually an incredibly mature faith. And this is what we're going to be exploring uh, more this weekend, uh, what it means to grow up as believers. Uh, and so in our passage this morning, uh, Paul talks about growing up here in a, in a bunch of different areas. So we're going to consider three of the areas that we are to grow up. Uh, we are to grow in gospel service, we're to grow in gospel depth, we're to grow in gospel speech. So we'll start with growing in gospel service. Let's start again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I'd love to have your Bibles open there as we'll be hanging out here this morning. Verse 11 says this. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up 
the body of Christ. And so he starts here uh, with uh, five kind of roles or gifts, uh, and then we're just going to kind of touch on these briefly. I'm not going to spend too long here, but uh, the five there are, uh, he starts with apostles. Uh, the word apostle, just, the word just kind of means sent ones. Uh, and so at the beginning, this was a, a select few that were eyewitnesses to the life of Christ and his resurrection, uh, and they were in, involved in, in starting and launching the church. Uh, and maybe there's some kind of continuation there because it just means sent ones. It means, uh, so there's those who are like missionaries or, or church planters, or sometimes those, it's used for those who have kind of uh, oversight or a number of different churches, so that's apostles. Then we have prophets. Prophets are those who, who declare God's word, whether that's uh, foretelling, uh, so t- God's word in like a predictive sense, but probably more often than not, it's actually about uh, just foretelling. So telling forth God's word, speaking God's word into the, the situation that they are in, timely words. We have evangelists, uh, those who are preaching the good news to those outside the church, to unbelievers. Uh, so we're all called to evangelism, but some have a, uh, seem to have a specific kind of gifting or role. And uh, Pat's actually going to be exploring more about evangelism and mission tonight. Uh, then we have uh, shepherds, so, so those who, who care for God's people. Other words that are used for this are, are pastors or elders, and their job is to, to nurture and guard and protect and nourish God's people. Uh, and then teachers, those who, who teach God's word so that we can understand it. Now, there's a whole bunch of debate uh, around uh, this, this kind of list of, of gifts or offices. Is, uh, you know, is there four or is there uh, five? Because you know, the, the words pastor and teacher, are they kind of describing one thing. Uh, are these specific offices that the church should have today? Uh, should we have an office of a prophet or prophet, uh, office of uh, evangelist? Or are they just kind of a more general gifting? Are they, are they continuing on today? There's a whole lot of uh, discussion around what they are. But what's important for us to know today and to realize today is to see that, that all of these uh, are word-based. Each one of these involve expanding God's word for teaching, for, for preaching, and for spreading the gospel. And this is what we would typically call ministry, right? That, that these are all ministers who do ministry. But if we have a look at our passage, notice who in this passage is actually the ones who are doing the work of ministry. That, 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 that those, those five groups of people are to equip who? Equip the saints, right? And what do they equip them to do? to do the work of ministry. Uh, and so just to clarify, the, the, the saints, right, that's, that's you. Like if you're a believer, you're a, a, a saint. So our job as, as, as pastors, as teachers, so, so me and Nick and Pat and, and Steph and, and Rosalie and Carrie, our job uh, is, to, uh, is not primarily to do ministry while the rest of the church is simply the recipients of that ministry, no, no, our, our, our job is to equip you to do ministry. See, church is not primarily something that you, you come to in order to be ministered to by professional Christians. This, this verse tells us that, that all Christians, that, that you have been called to ministry, that, that you have been called to do the work of ministry. Did, did you know that? But that's, that's God's call on your life. See, this, this radically impacts how we see church, doesn't it? 
The, the, the reason, you know, for, for this weekend, yes, is, you know, we want to have fun, meet a whole bunch of new people, build deep relationships, but our ultimate goal for, for this weekend and actually every time we gather, that everything that we do as a church is to equip you for ministry. That's why we do what we do. And so what is ministry? What, what does this word ministry mean? Well, the word in the, in the original language just simply means service. To, to minister is to serve. So a minister is a servant of others. Uh, and so in order to minister, in order to serve, it requires for all of us to have a, an intentional outward, others, other people-focused attitude. And the ministry that we're all given is to help one another grow up in Jesus. That's the ministry that we're given. We're, we're, we're called, we have a calling and a responsibility to one another to help one another grow up in Jesus. I saw a story um, this last week uh, of a, a retired couple, maybe you saw it, who, who booked uh, 51 back-to-back cruises. All right, they kind of did the math and, and realized that it would actually be cheaper to, to spend their entire retirement on cruise ships than going into a nursing home. Uh, and so they booked 51 back-to-back cruises. Now, um, I get motion sickness. So that, to me, is the closest thing to hell that I could ever imagine. Uh, but maybe that's for you. I think uh, Kerry and Marshall... I'm pretty sure that when they retire, you're going to find them on a cruise ship because they, they love that kind of thing. I mean, every meal you know, is a buffet, kind of running 24-7. You can just go and help yourself whenever. Uh, there's, there's bears, there's, there's entertainment, so there's like a billion activities for you to choose from. If you've got kids, you can just dump them at the kids' club uh, for the whole time. Everything there exists for your enjoyment and for your comfort. And so that's awesome for a holiday, uh, maybe retirement, I don't know. But, but if that's how we treat the church, if we, if we treat the church kind of more like a cruise ship, then, then we've actually missed the gospel because that's not the church that Jesus died for. So the, the church is far less like a cruise ship and far more like a battleship that is sent out on a strategic mission where every person on that ship is there for a specific reason, has a specific role to do, and that role is to serve the advancement of the kingdom of God, where every person there is there to serve something that is bigger than themselves. Or maybe we can sometimes treat the church kind of a bit more like a hotel. A hotel is kind of a place where you, know, you kind of live for a time, uh, you know, you, you might uh, sleep there, you shower there, you, you go to the buffet breakfast, there's some kind of mediocre facilities like the pool and the gym that, that you might use when they're, when they're kind of um, uh, available. And so even though you share a building, uh, you share walls, you, you share a, a, an area with a whole bunch of different people, apart from that kind of awkward greeting that you might have in the, the elevator in the morning, or you might see the same kind of people at the breakfast in the morning, that there's, there's no real kind of relationship with anyone else. There's no responsibility. There's no commitment to anyone else in the hotel. You can just come and go as it suits. But see, the, the church is far less like a hotel and far more like a home. 
right? Because we're family. The, the Bible describes us as being family. And in a family, you, you, you have a shared commitment. You have a shared responsibility to one another and to the household. And just like in a family, when, when someone tr- starts to treat a family, a home, more like a hotel, you know, this sometimes happens when, when, when kids get older and they, uh, you know, they get their license, they get their kind of independence, and they start just kind of coming and going. And in some ways, like that independence is obviously good and needed. It's part of growing up, right? But, but when it starts to treat the... The, the home like a hotel, then, then something's wrong. Like the, the, the family's not all it is supposed to be because that's not how families are supposed to function. See, what this means is that, that you're needed in the church, that, that you are important, that you are a critical member of the family of God. And, and it means that, that as a church, our effectiveness and success in the mission of God that he has given us is, is not primarily dependent on our ability to, to run awesome programs or to have amazing services and engaging worship or, or put on amazing camps. But, but see, we can only be as effective and successful in the ministry that God has given us as a church to the degree that each one of us grows in our understanding and our commitment to the ministry that God has given each one of us. The, the, God, the, the ministry that he has given you to fulfill. And while that, that ministry, it's going to be uniquely expressed, right, differently for each one of us, because we're all different, but, it, but it's all attaining to the same goal, right? It's, it's simply described here in verse 12. It says, what? For the building up of the body of Christ. It's what we're called to. So this includes, obviously, everything we do at church. If you're leading a GC or serving as a tomb, absolutely. But actually, it actually goes far, far deeper than that because we can't just compartmentalize our lives to be ministry is one thing. It's what we're called to. So ministry is not just when you're, you're serving on a team on a Sunday, but it's actually also about how you turn up to church on a Sunday when you're not serving. That actually, even then, you're, you're still there to build up the body of Christ. That as you gather in gospel communities, it's not just the leaders who are responsible for that, but everyone who's part of that. And so, if you're part of a gospel community, when, you, when you're not there, the, the community is missing out. Because they're missing what you have to offer in building up the body. It's when you have catch-ups, people over for dinner. It's the way that you, that you lay down your needs and your wants and your entitlements to, to love and serve your husband and your wife and your kids and your family. That in every area of our life, you have the ministry of building others up. So that means that you're, that you're needed, that, that you're actually important, that, you're, that your presence is important. And so when we treat the, the church more like a, a cruise ship rather than a battleship, or we treat it more like a, a hotel rather than a home, then it means that the, the whole body is weakened. So you've been called to, to minister. Right? You've been called to serve the body by building it up. It's not something that you can just compartmentalize into half an hour or an hour of service in a week. So the first Mark that we see of maturity, of growing up here, is, is growing in gospel service. So how is it that we are to serve? What does this actually look like? How, we are, to, how are we to minister to one another? 
Well, it tells us it's by God's word. God's word, God's people equipped with God's word for God's work. So to grow in gospel service means we must grow in our gospel depth. Growing in gospel depth. Verse 13. So 12 is to equip the saints, the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. See, Paul here, he highlights just the importance of, of growing in our knowledge of the Son of God. And so he's talking here about maturing theologically in our understanding of, of who God is, of who Jesus is, of, of what he has done for us and actually how that should apply to every aspect of our lives. And do you see the, the, the standard of that goal? Do you see the, the, the standard of that knowledge that it says there? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, feel, I still feel like I'm a long way off. And actually, in many ways, the more I grow in that knowledge, the more I realize how far I am from, from, from reaching that goal, right? But, but what that means is that, that there's always more for us to learn, yeah? Like, we, 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 there's, there's always more growth to be had. We, we, we don't arrive, not, not in this life, at least. Like, we'll know that, we'll get there. God promises that we'll get there, that when Jesus returns, makes all things new, that we will be like him, for we have seen him. But, but until then, there's, there's always more for us to learn. And so he uses some images to describe the person who fails to grow in their knowledge of the Son of God. First, he calls them children. He's there childish, immature. He says they're tossed to and fro by the waves. It is when, when life happens, when the, when the waves of life crash against you, your boat. You know, you, maybe you lose your job, or, or, or sickness comes, or there's ongoing health problems. The relationships fail, or marriage is disappointing, or there's betrayal, or it's just, it's just hard. That, that, when those live, that when those waves come, that you find that, that you're actually not anchored to Jesus, who is the one who will keep you stable and upright in the midst of that. But, but when those waves come, they just toss you around, toss you to and fro. And, and so you find that you're just kind of constantly up and down in your faith based on whatever situation you're in. See, being anchored to Jesus doesn't mean that those waves don't come, they don't crash against you, but it means that when they do, that you'll be able to weather the storm because you're anchored, you're holding fast to Jesus. And he describes them as being carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And one of the incredible things 
uh, about our moment in history is that we have access to uh, you know, the, the best teachers, preachers, uh, theologians from all of history and across the world, just in the palm of our hand, right? We get books, podcasts, uh, you can download and access uh, many uh, Bible college seminary courses, you get the whole content online for free in many cases. And, and so it's never been easier for us to, to grow in our knowledge of God. But that also means that it's never been easier for, for false teachers and false teaching to infiltrate the church because, because now they don't even need to come through the front doors of the church, right? I mean, one of our jobs as, as pastors is we want to protect the pulpit or at least like protect the music stand, right? The, the preached word. We need, we need to teach or uh, protect the, the teaching and the preaching of the doctrine of the church to ensure that, that everything that is taught in our church is biblical truth. And so we can guard the pulpit, but we can't guard your podcasts, right? We, can't, we, we don't have that kind of control. To, we don't know what you're, you're reading or listening to. And so you've got to realize that there's, there's a whole bunch of false teaching out there. There's, there's a lot of also just kind of bad teaching. There's a lot of man-centered teaching, a lot of popular Christian books and teachers and, and churches and podcasts that, that end up actually distorting Scripture and the, and the gospel because they actually end up kind of basing more of their teaching more on like humanistic, secular uh, psychology or philosophy rather than actually the Word of God. And those things can sound good and they can sound really biblical, but they're actually sub-biblical because they're actually leading you away from the true gospel. And so if you're lacking in biblical discernment, then you'll be carried about by every wind of doctrine. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, could have been my church. Uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. You know, a, a whole meal might be deliciously and perfectly cooked, but you know, a little bit of poisonous mushroom can wreck the whole thing, right? What's the, the goal there? That we attain a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Right? That is, that we grow coming to a right and correct and true and, and deep understanding of, of who God is, <clears throat> of who Jesus is, who, what he has done for us as revealed in Scripture. And getting that right matters. What, what you believe about God matters. Not knowing who Jesus is and what he has done through his life, death and resurrection, his ascension and his eventual return, that matters. Knowing how that applies to every aspect of our lives matters. Now, I know we've uh, used this quote uh, a number of times before, but I think it's worth repeating. Uh, A.W. Tozer said that, that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. See, what you think God is like, who you think God is, that is the most influential belief that you have that shapes who you are and how you live your life. And so often, so, so much of the, the pain and struggle that we experience, the, the, the falling into sin that we have, the, 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 the doubts, 
It's actually due to a, a deficient or an, or an insufficient or just a plain wrong view of who God is. See, because everything that is wrong with the world can be traced back to the wrong view of God. Right? That's, that's, that's how it all started, right? It was the, the, the cunning, right? the, the, the craftiness, the, de, the deceitful schemes of the devil in the garden. You know, did, did God really say? God, God doesn't really love you as much as he says he does. See, God is actually holding goodness back from you, Eve. See, God, is, God is lying to you. You can't really be trusted. See, what we believe about who God is, our doctrine, our theology, it, and it matters, and it matters because it shapes how we live our entire lives. So if we, we don't understand how the gospel shapes our money, then, then we'll be constantly tempted to be seduced by the allure of it. If we don't understand how the, the gospel shapes our relationships, then, then we'll look to them to fulfill us in ways that they were, they were never meant to, or we'll end up using people just to fill, fulfill our own uh, needs or desires. If we don't understand how the gospel uh, speaks to our, our deepest disappointments in our, or our struggles in our marriages, then we'll, then we'll just look elsewhere, we'll look to secular and worldly advice about what to do. If we don't understand how the gospel shapes our, our work and our career, then we'll be tempted towards careerism, building our identity on our, on our jobs or our work or our success. If we don't understand how how the gospel shapes our parenting, then, then we might be able to uh, gain a whole bunch of strategies about how to have good and well-behaved kids, but if we're not shepherding their hearts towards Jesus, then we'll just be raising little Pharisees. If we don't understand how the gospel speaks to our anxieties, our fears and our worries, to, to our mental health struggles, then we'll, we'll miss how much Scripture speaks to living life in the fallen world. So the, the depths of the gospel penetrates and speaks to every aspect of our lives. And if we, we don't understand how the gospel is to shape our lives, then we'll be tossed to and fro, carried about by the wind of every other doctrine. So we had a growing gospel service, and we do that by growing in our gospel depth so that we can grow in our gospel speech. Growing in gospel speech. Verse 15. <clears throat> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Uh, one of the great kids' movies uh, to come out in the last few years, I think it's a bit underrated, uh, is The Secret Life of Pets. Uh, maybe you've, you've seen that one. And there's a, a moment where uh, the main character, his name is Max, 
uh, and he's kind of, he, he's got a problem, he's, and he's pouring his heart out uh, to, to one of his friends, Chloe, who is this kind of uh, tubby, uh, gray, tabby cat, and kind of just sarcastic the whole time. And, and as he's sharing his distress with her, uh, she, she says, Max, come on, I'm, I'm your friend, okay? Uh, and as your friend, I've got to be honest with you. I don't care about you or your problems, and I think if, you're, if we're honest, we probably felt like saying that at times, right? Uh, but I think often when we hear this phrase, speaking the truth in love, we, we get the idea that uh, the, the, the kind of truths that are in view here are, uh, you know, the, the cold hard facts, right? You know, your breath stinks. And I'm telling you that because I love you, right? Or, or we think it's primarily about kind of confrontation. You know, it's those moments of rebuke or, or admonition, like critique, correction or critique. And so that's kind of, you know, like these, these negative things. Uh, and so we kind of have somehow have to balance that with love. And so if we get that kind of mixed right, then we can speak the truth in love. And perhaps that's what you kind of tend towards. You, you're, you're, you're keen, you're eager to speak the truth in love, but the truths that you only ever speak are correction and critique. And while that's sometimes needed, that's actually only kind of a small part of what is in view here. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, that we are sanctified by the truth of God's Word. Earlier in Ephesians, uh, Paul says that the Gospel is the Word of truth. And then later on in chapter 4, verse 21, it says that the truth is in Jesus. And so Paul's point here is that, that speaking the truth in love is about speaking the truths about Jesus, speaking true uh, what, about what is true about Jesus to one another. Now, one of my uh, current kind of pet hates uh, at the moment is the use of the word versing. All right, now, the youth aren't in this session, so I can't kind of rebuke that. But, you know, it's a young adult thing. I had to, like, Pat said it the other day. Drive me crazy. <laughs> um, just so you know, versing isn't a word, okay? <laughs> it's not a word. In the original language, the, the phrase here, speaking the truth in love, could actually be uh, more literally translated as truthing in love. All right, now, true thing's not a word, all right, so don't use it. <laughs> but what it is, it conveys the idea that, it, that it's far more than just speaking the truth, that, it, that truthing in love includes knowing it, believing it, applying it, living it yourself. See, truthing is, is not merely what we say, but what we do. And so it's not just about saying things that are true, but it's about living what is true about Jesus to one another. And so as we grow in our knowledge of the Son of God and how the gospel applies to every part of our lives, and as we live those truths out in our lives, we can speak those truths, we can truth those truths into the lives of others because we ourselves are truthing those truths. This is, this is how it is that we are to, to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Uh, Jeff Vanderstelt, he says it this way. He says, If we are to help one another grow up into Christ in every way, we need to learn how to speak the truths of Christ into everything. 
to every aspect of life, every situation we face, and every issue that we address. Uh, He goes on to say that too often when people are giving answers to their questions or solutions to their problems, we give them something other than Jesus. If they're struggling with their finances, then we give them the best budgeting plans that we know of. If they're working through relational discord and we teach them communication techniques, if they're struggling with doubt, then we challenge them just to believe, promising that everything will get better if they do. But we fail if we don't give them Jesus. If we are to grow up to Christ in every way, then we need to learn how to speak the truths of Jesus into everything. To our money, yeah? To our work, to our marriages, to our parenting, to our fears and anxieties, to our friendships, how we relax and and spend our downtime, how to apply to church, right? We need to know how to speak the truths about Christ into every part of our lives. Because, because what's the goal? What are we aiming for? To maturity. To, to the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ. Could, could you think of a, of a bigger, more glorious goal for your life? See, and the, the point here is that, that Jesus is, is both the goal... And the path to get to that goal. See, see, growing up into maturity together is that as we, as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we, we fix our eyes on Jesus again and again and again in every aspect of our lives and as we, we deepen our knowledge of the Son of God and we're, we're, as we do that, that we're being transformed to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And as we do that and we live that way, then, then, then we do that for one another. As that happens, we begin, to, we begin truthing the truths of Jesus to one another out of a deep love and care for, for one another's souls so that the whole body might be built up. So that we all attain maturity. So that we all attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's, that's the ministry that, that we're all called to. Feel overwhelming to you? It feels overwhelming to me. I'm trained for this, right? I love what JD Greer says. He says this: uh, a gospel-saturated church is a church filled with people who give everything they have because they understand that in Christ they already have everything they need. See, God has given you everything that you need to do what He has called you to do. Hey, God, does, God doesn't call you to do something and then just kind of leave you to your own devices. No, no. He, the reason you should dive headlong into this, no matter where you are in your faith, even if you, you became a Christian this morning, right? This is still for you. The reason you should dive headlong into this is because he has already given everything you need. And the, the point here is, is about growth, right? Not arrival. You don't, you don't need to have arrived, but you need to be growing. And so how is it that you're, how are you growing in your gospel ministry and service? How are you growing in your, your gospel depth? Knowing more and more about the, the truths of Jesus and how they apply to every part of your life. How are you then growing in your gospel speech? 
How to then speak truth, those truths into the lives of others. See, friends, this is how we are to, to build each other up. God's people be equipped with God's word to do God's work. How about we pray? <clears throat> Gracious Father, we just thank you for, thank you for Jesus, that he has called us to himself. He has saved us, he's brought us from death to life from light to darkness, your new creations in him. And that you have called us to something far bigger than ourselves. That we are no longer to live for ourselves, but we are to live for the one who has called us, who has died for us. That actually the the real purpose and, and meaning that we have and the hope that we have in this life is not for ourselves but we were bought by the blood of Jesus and we had to live for him and to serve him. And so, although we have so many different responsibilities, work, family, that, that, that ultimately the thing that you have called us to do is to serve you and to serve one another. And so I pray that, that just as we, as we reflect on these words, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would be just speaking to us, ministering to our hearts, That, that if there's areas in our lives where we realize that we haven't been just fully committed to, to, to building up the body of Christ, that, that maybe we, we've, we've tended to treat church more like a cruise ship or, or, or more like a, a, a hotel rather than a home and the family of God, rather than being the mission that you have called us to. For so there's ways that we've just simply failed and neglected to, to be continuing to, to deepen our knowledge and understanding of who you are and, and, and how the gospel applies to every part of our lives. Or for the ways that we've, we've used our speech rather than speaking the truths of Jesus in love to one another, that we've used our words to, to tear down rather than to build up. Lord, we pray that we thank you that you are, you are not finished with us, that, that, that this is what growth is. Lord, I pray that, that, that as we explore this this weekend, Lord, that, that you would be transforming us, growing us to be more and more like your son Jesus so that we can be more and more like your son Jesus to one another, so that we all might grow up. Lord, we thank you, praise you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.